You're listening to the 24-Hour Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Magdalene Zinke. It's 4.06 p.m. I'm staring at the mountains from my studio, savoring the last of a couple of hours away from my family, a couple of hours by myself, just kind of doing whatever I wanted to do, which was talk to a friend and wander through the fields and then come back here and do some yoga. And now I'm feeling very relaxed and a bit... I don't know. I waffled a bit about sitting down to actually record this because my mouth is feeling kind of dry and I'm worried that the audio is going to be clicky and unusable. But I am trying to articulate and swallow when needed and knowing that I'm going to edit that shit out anyway because, come on, most people don't like to hear mouth noises, right? Maybe that's just me. I had a boyfriend in college who was really upset by spit. And it kind of got to me in like a little way so that I, I don't know, I definitely find spit and like those kind of noises more upsetting than I did when I was a teenager. Oh, the things we contribute to each other's lives. Speaking of which... One of the perks of being the host of this podcast is being able to look at metrics and seeing seeing that people are listening to this all across the globe, which is just wild to me. So hello, people listening in Iran and Australia and Poland and South Africa. Like, this is hello. Hello from... This little corner of North America, Tennessee, it's crazy to me how connected we all are. And as we as we feel about in the dark in the infancy of new technology, I'm so curious about where we're going to take it, and I wonder what the internet will look like in a thousand years. If you're anything of a science fiction fan, read Anathem by Neil Stevenson. It's it's very long, but is in my opinion, it's a feat of writing. And one of the things that it considers is what a society looks like after thousands of years of recorded and repeated tradition. So if we were, you know, if if we were looking People looking back at this time as being a thousand years ago is essentially like that that sort of that far in the future. And it's an interesting look at that. And also just a really fun tale. I had the privilege of um, 48 hours rest. <laughs> the privilege of rest after Olin was born. And he was such a sleepy little guy. And he he slept and slept and slept. And I read and read and read. And and I still think about that as being one of the more 
magical times in my life, just being cared for by loving people, the nurses, those wonderful people. And then there was the social worker who shamed me about my cannabis use and sort of threatened me a little bit um, to reveal my use to her, which was, I don't know. I ran it by a nurse friend and she was like, "Mm, that was definitely the way she went about it was not ethical. But I don't want to get into that here. Do I want to get into that here? Kind of. I mean, the whole thing I wanted to look at today, here now, in this podcast episode that will reach out into the world and live forever on the internet, I'm sure, in some corner. Or maybe not. I don't actually know how these things work. Do things disappear? We're led to believe that they don't. Anyway, one of the things that I am trying to do in the year 2020 is tie up more loose ends. There's a blogger and um, small body care uh, business owner named... Oh no, I can't think of her last name off the top of my head. And I'm not connected to the internet right at this moment on purpose. Ah, dang, I hate it. I hate it when that happens. Listen to me talk. Listen to this conversation about the internet that wasn't supposed to be about the internet. Anyway, I will link to her in the show notes. Her business is called Lusa Organics. And my sister works there and she kind of got me hooked on it. And I started following Rachel online as she blogs about sustainability and wholesome living and fermentation and things like that. Uh, So if you're into that sort of thing, I'll link to her Instagram. It's, It's a good follow. She made a post recently about her family committing to finishing up more of their 80% projects, which are the projects that are like 80% done. And I definitely have many of these and I would like to wrap up more loose ends, literally, because a lot of it is knitting. And anyway, how was I talking about that? Oh, right. So... The reason I was talking about that was because I'm still, you know, wanting to use some interviews and some story ideas that I had when I first set out to do this podcast, which by the way is two years old as of today, January 19th, the day that I'm recording. And that's pretty wild. This will be the 25th episode and I've learned some things along the way and changed some things about myself and blah, blah, blah. So that's all great. Thank you. Huge thank you to everyone who has supported me along the way, whether that's words of encouragement or financially or even just listening. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I really, really do appreciate it. Um, But yeah, so one of the things that I wanted to revisit was this. I wanted to do an episode about matrescence, which is an idea that I came across a little more than a year ago. It was, I came across the idea when I was still living in New York. And I hadn't interviewed anyone about it. I was just going to speak about my own experience. And I went back and found the notes that I was working with, which was actually more of an essay than I remembered. And also more more not an essay than I remembered. It, It kind of fractures at the end. But it's interesting to see First of all, I I didn't realize how long ago it had been that I wrote this. Um, I thought it was 
Gosh, I thought it was, I didn't think it was so soon after we had moved to Tennessee. And reading back in it, it's it's pretty clear that things are still pretty raw and fresh for me in the writing. And there's a lot of anger and struggle there that I have, if I haven't, I'm I'm actively working through it. I don't know that I would say, I don't know that I have worked through it, period, but definitely things are moving. But I wanted to talk about matrescence because it's a term that I don't think a lot of people are familiar with. It's not commonly used. I think I, it's it's a fairly new term, but you know, it sounds similar to adolescence because it's speaking to the same thing at this time of transition, um, hormonal changes, disruptions, maybe not so much disruption. Well, you know, disruptions in the forming of new patterns. And the same thing is happening to a person who gives birth. And it's, there are changes for any person who takes on a caregiving role. You have to you have to expand a part of yourself and you also have to, you know, you have to set up your boundaries and you have to decide what's okay, what you are capable of and, and what you are not capable of and, and keep those boundaries or else you're going to, or, or else you're going to run yourself ragged. And that's firsthand knowledge that is hard won. So maybe that will save someone along the way the the pain and heart, you know, it's not going to save anyone pain and heartache because those you you have to learn those lessons yourself even if you know them intellectually going in it's an experience thing and 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 you can go through it or you know let let the not going through it crack you break you anyway right so so for any person who is becoming a parent in in so moving more towards the direction that I want to speak in today. That's, you know, there's going to be that necessary expansion. You're t- bringing on, bringing a new person into your life, um, however that, that comes to be. But for, for a person who is carrying a child in their uterus and then birthing that child, particularly if, if you do have a, a vaginal birth, there's, that produces a rush of hormones, a real cocktail loosened into your system. And either way, I mean, if, you know, if there's a, if you have your child via C-section, there's still, you know, your hormones, your hormones have been changed and, uh, traces of stray DNA floating around in you. You've had twice as much blood. No, it's 50% more blood. You've had 50% more blood flowing through your veins. Like just, you know, you've been through a lot in a short amount of time and now there is another human or there is not another human and that will require some adjustment and then your body goes back to gradually where it was before-ish and I don't think your brain goes back. I think whether you want it or not. That is a portal. You have walked through it. You have been pushed through it and change has taken place. And that that's one of the things that we haven't really been 
we culturally world the people i i don't know um i'm speaking from my western white american perspective and you know from a culture that doesn't really talk about what that transition is and i don't in my limited scope i'm not familiar with culture that is really talking about that or really recognizes that um the brain changes that happen not in a caring and supportive way and if you know one please please tell me because um actually that's relevant research for me for a little for a production that I'm slowly brewing in my brain so w- I would love to hear about a culture that you know acknowledges and works with the the internal changes that happen to a mother and maybe maybe we can find some things that we can some benchmarks for working back towards a more holistic way of of looking at that we are we are looking at it scientifically so so my introduction to matrescence um came from reading some articles by Dr. Andrea Sachs and she has some stuff published on Medium and a New York Times article called The Birth of a Mother which is fairly short reading but I would consider it it vital reading and so there's going to be a whole lot of links in the show notes for this episode just fun stuff to read and that will be one of them and and what i learned from that was that my experience this sort of fog that i was existing in and just feeling like i was floundering and i didn't know what was what i didn't know which way was up anymore nothing made sense my my landmarks for good living for a successful personhood were totally changed the standards that i was being held to were also changed and i was needing to respond to the world in a different way and often a more defensive way or 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 it felt like that was called for defensiveness guardedness and this was the first this was a glimmer of clarity one of the things that i have been encountering a lot lately in different forms in different places um so i've been trying to pay attention is this concept of shedding identity in order to create change so habit change or happiness level change you have to let go of an identity or a story that you tell about yourself in order to take on the new habit or you know step away from a destructive habit which you know two sides of the same coin right and with that there's some talk and then a lot of thinking in my brain about states of mourning and how and how often we don't allow ourselves the luxury of mourning the parts of ourselves that we are laying to rest and that mourning was definitely the state that i was in as i was writing this it's 5 o'clock p.m. and i'm trying this again and just to be clear it's 5 o'clock p.m. the day after it was 4:06 p.m. when i recorded last and What happened there is the same thing that usually happens when I try to 
when I try to process this whole motherhood thing in any way, shape, or form, or or I should say like narratively neat way, shape, or form, I get lost in the question. I get lost in the question. I don't even know what the question is. I just get lost in thinking about this state of being and... <laughs> I, I mean, I don't even know. I, I've tried different ways of approaching this. I tried, and I guess I should be clear with myself, I've tried different ways of approaching the problem of wanting to create about this question of matrescence, this shift from one state of being to another, and all of the baggage, the cultural and biological baggage that comes with that. I tried freelancing, doing little essays. I've tried, I'm in the process of kind of blogging about it. I mean, the podcast, this is, this is one way that I'm trying to deal with it, sort of skirting around the edges of motherhood. This is, this essay that I was trying to write, this, or this radio piece or whatever it is, that was my first attempt to really kind of head-on tackle this change that I'd been through. And I've kind of worked through some of it in play form, but not really, not directly, not in a way that scratches the itch, as it were. And, I mean, honestly, the problem may just be that it's, you know, that I'm still in the shit, as it were, and I can't you know, it's, it's too big to process from too close up. It's like trying to describe a mountain on the slopes. It's a can't see the forest for the trees sort of thing. And there are so many things that I want to say, so many angles that I want to take on this. And I, I try to sit down and, and put them in some sort of logical order. And, and I always, I can't seem to push through to a conclusion. And I thought that maybe just diving into the deep end and just talking into the microphone would somehow maybe magically make this happen, but it didn't. I got lost in the question again. I got lost in the <laughs> in the thoughts and feelings. I got lost in remembering how it felt to be the person who wrote this essay and had and and needed to put down such despair being the person who felt that much despair and just confusion and lack of ability lack of self-worth and yeah i feel pretty grateful for all of the change that has happened in my life in the past year in the past 2 years 3 years I don't even know. In the last year in particular, I feel like I've come quite a ways. Things have changed. And in the 25 hours that have elapsed since I last recorded, I've decided that what I want to do is just read a bit of what I wrote last year and honor the person that wrote it honor the words that I wrote down, that she wrote down, this person that I 
am, but also am not. So I'm going to read a little bit of it and then leave it at that and stop trying to stop trying to see the forest from within the forest. Maybe give it a year or two or more. I mean, a year or two. Who am I kidding? I'm still going to be way in the shed in a year or two. Okay. In the future, when I decide that it's time, when, when I have renewed interest in this topic, if I have renewed interest in this topic, I'll revisit it. But for now, here's a little bit of then. Like with adolescence, entering motherhood requires a total rewiring. Rewiring generates chaos, agitation, and itching of the brain, and most of all, at least in my case, rage. Who on earth have I become, and why is it such a short trip for me to get from fine to tears and mourning? And who is it that I am mourning, because I am in mourning? I am mourning for my life, as Masha says in The Seagull. I feel that a lot these days. Also... How weary, stale, flat, and unprofitable seem to me all the uses of this world. From Hamlet. In case that's not your flavor of nerd. I feel this pressure now to remember where all the things are, to know off the top of my head what's missing from the cupboards, to automatically understand and translate the toddler. I feel like there's no guarantee that anything will get done if I don't attend to it personally, which, yes, is foolish and impossible, and I know my husband doesn't feel the same thing, and that after years of minor attempts to buck gender norms, we're settling into them in our own way. For him, that means a long waking process in the morning. For me, it means direct and constant action the moment I get out of bed. There's not so much separation between man and father as there is between woman and mother. It requires total rewiring. I remember a quote, something along the lines of, In order for a woman to be born, a girl must die. It's something I read years ago, and I can't remember its exact provenance, and searching for it online brings up a lot of articles about maternal mortality rates, related but unhelpful. It's a bit of a morbid take, but it struck me as true even at the time before I had any personal knowledge of what that change actually meant. When I think back to the women who surrounded me growing up, I wouldn't give any of them the label of girlish. Some of the men, dads and uncles, had boyish energy, sure, but I can't think of a single woman I would describe as being anything other than a woman, or more precisely, a mom. I have this memory that I come back to time and again. I can't remember how old I was, but I was in the neighborhood of middle school, old enough, that is, to be actively collecting clues about womanhood and sexuality. This particular day sticks out in my mind because it contains two very formative moments for me. I was with my mother and sisters and a small group of other women and their few children. We were visiting a friend's farm, but by farm I mean more like a country estate, an airy house filled with books and beautiful rugs, an outdoor social area in a ring of ancient oaks, flowers growing everywhere. And the mother was a painter, and she brought us to her detached studio, which was another airy space, similar to the house, but definitely her own space. I painted it yellow once, she told us, but then everyone who came in had to immediately pee. A casual story tossed over her shoulder with a laugh, but to me it took on this huge importance because it was the cherry on top of what I suddenly realized I wanted. The house, the space, the studio, the garden, impromptu parties, color changes, the ability to influence others to pee. That picture of my ideal life hasn't really changed. 
But what I'm realizing now is that it wasn't just the house-yard career, it was also her attitude. I remember her from that day and other encounters as a joyful person, a light person, someone whom you could almost call girlish, except that it wasn't girlishness, it was more like she'd cross through a valley, and instead of getting stuck there in miserable mom land, she'd reached the other side where people still knew how to play and be womanly at the same time. The other thing I remember from that day, well, it certainly had to do with womanhood as well. We had finished the tour of the house and studio and were relaxing on lawn chairs in the yard. The younger children had wandered off to play, but I was in that awkward phase where imaginative play no longer appealed to me, and the others weren't up to my level of physical play, which, let's be honest, was mostly sitting around exercising my book-holding muscles. I'd lingered to listen in on the grown-up conversation, which was normally not a problem, but today the conversation turned to men. And I don't remember much about the conversation in general, but I do remember one of the women, and maybe I remember it because she'd been a teacher of mine. And what on earth were they talking about that caused her to say this? But anyway, she said, they just want to go for the nipples, and the kid's been at my nipples all day for nursing, so I'm like, get away from there. And then she caught me staring at her, mouth most likely agape, and maybe waved her hand at me or said something like, little pitchers have big ears or something like that, something to indicate that this was not meant to be for my ears, which of course imprinted this on my brain so that I still remember it clearly decades later. And what struck me about this, of course, was that nipples could be sexual and that a grown-up, a man, might want to suck on them, which was an interesting idea. I wish I knew where I was going with that. Maybe someday I'll be able to look back at this and rearrange it into something that makes sense, because then, after that interesting... <laughs> interesting notation about my uh, sexual development. It digresses into talk about not having the energy and about there's some po postpartum business that then veers into being obsessed with optimizing. And, you know, the quickest way to get the house picked up and everyone complacent and all the things that it takes and, and how on earth am I supposed to squeeze in a few minutes with a notebook there? And apparently what happened was that I wrote this description and then went to bed and dreamed that scenario of having to pick everything up and cook dinner and do my writing all at the same time and then woke myself up and woke my husband up too by exclaiming, there's too much happening right now. And then the toddler woke up as well and then the baby woke up. And if that is not the life of the mother artist, I don't know what is. Thank you for coming on this little journey with me. By that I mean the journey of this episode, which rambled a little bit here and there, and also the journey of this podcast, which, you know, has also rambled a bit here and there, sort of vaguely hovering around this central question of what does it mean to be a good woman? What does it mean to be a good person? What does it mean to be someone who wants to put out podcasts? What am I doing? What am I doing with my life? Reaching out to you. Reaching into your ears to say thank you and have a wonderful day. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do please tell a friend. Tell two friends. 
Give them a specific episode to listen to and say, hey, this was a good one. Which was your favorite? Another way to help people find this show in the vast wide sea of content is to leave ratings and reviews. If you are on a platform that supports ratings and reviews, give us a holler. Give us the old one too. No, don't do that. That means to chop chop. I, okay, listen. Oh, listen to me. I've passed that on to my daughter now when she is really trying to make a point. She says, listen to me, mama. Listen to me. So that's how I think of it in my mind. Listen to me. Um, all right. <laughs> Let's wander back onto the path. I have your education resource for this episode a specific episode of a podcast, the Caring for the Caregivers podcast from Indrani's Light Foundation. I encourage you to look up the work that Indrani is doing. She is, I've met her once, I did a weekend workshop with her, and she's a very lighthearted, inspirational individual who overcame the challenges of her life in order to help others by being a, a beacon. She is a beacon. She is truly amazing. Part of her foundation is doing this podcast, Caring for the Caregivers, and there's an episode from March 1st, 2019 called Challenging Responses and Staying in Your Power. And if nothing else, just listen to the first like 10 minutes because they touch base on creating stock responses to challenging moments, which I think I'm re-listening to the episode and it struck me that this is really helpful for anyone who is working on doing anti-racism work or is new to trying to like open their consciousness and their empathy and might be running up against some barriers with family, friends, neighbors, people on Facebook, whatever. And so it, they're talking a little bit about cultivating responses that you can use in those challenging situations that aren't going to well, that will allow you to stay in your power. And I think that is useful information. It is also useful for anyone who is a caregiver, as the title of the podcast gives away. So I encourage you to check out that gentle resource from Indrani's Light Foundation. I want to give a big thank you to everyone who has supported this podcast financially, especially the fine folks who purchased a t-shirt, Tracy and Rachel and Rachel and Elizabeth. You guys, thank you. That's awesome. If you want to post pictures of your swag, or since I know you all personally and love you all personally, send me a picture of you in your t-shirt. I would love to see that. And also let me know if it doesn't come and I, I will bark up trees. We'll bark up all the trees I need to. If you would like to support this podcast financially, support the work that I do to create it and the time I take out of my life to cobble it together, you can do that on Patreon, patreon.com slash the 24-hour woman podcast. And you can also do a one-time cash infusion via Venmo. And a big shout out to Allie. Thank you for doing that so consistently. You're a, a gem and I love that you're listening to me and that I know you. Oh my gosh, you guys, I know so many excellent people. Take a moment, 
take a moment and think of all the excellent people that you know in your life too. Speaking of friends, Lily Desmond's new album is finally out. It's wonderful. It's available on lilydesmond.bandcamp.com slash album slash desert. And of course, I will link to it in the long list of things that I promised I will link to in this episode. So that will be available for you to listen. You can support her by purchasing that album. She's asking $7 for the digital album, or you can give more than that um, if you have more available. And heck yeah, I would super be totally fine if you would go over there and send her your money this week instead of me. If it's a choice between me or her, support her, give her a cash infusion because she's putting things out less often than I am because of the nature of the things that she is putting out. Beautiful, amazing, amazing music. I love it. Okay, so that's Lily. She's the one responsible for the music. I'm Magdalene. I am responsible for everything else in this podcast, except once again, another amazing person that I know. Shout out to my sister, Fia, for doing the artwork. One more person that I would like to mention, that is every episode I dedicate it to someone, and this time the dedication goes to Kate York. Doula Kate York. Doula for Lyra's birth, which was one of the first births that you attended. And I didn't know that at the time. You felt so capable. But I remember this moment where you were teaching me how to make noises that would help, low humming noises that would help me with the process, with the the pains, and you were doing them alongside me, and I was finding it frustrating and, and needed to do the noises by myself, and I normally would just sort of tolerate that and just, you know, accommodate the person who was doing this thing that was slightly annoying to me, but I managed to speak up and say what I needed, and you responded and dropped back. And it felt like at that moment, we both stepped into something new. It felt like a portal moment, moving into a new phase of our lives. I feel so honored to know you and to witness the work that you're doing in the world and to have been a part of that work. Keep going, my love. (laughs) 